0: Log Talk Radio. Log Talk Radio.
1: The Keys Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Mohammed.
2: that are still being affected. This is why it is so important that we need our own. We need our own disaster response teams working in our communities that knows not just the layout of our communities, the architecture of the buildings in our community, but our own people who know the mindset, the attitude, and the spirit of our people, who look like them, who think like them, who can adapt to the situations they're in, but most of all, who have the compassion for them because they have a relationship with them. This is why the Millions More Movement, was such a timely um, thing to be instituted by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Because the Millions More Movement took it out of the realm of it just being the Muslims, or it just being the Christians, or it just being the Nationalists, or it just being whoever. And the Millions More Movement... Made an organization or an umbrella that everyone would have room under. The Millions More Movement was the um, framework, so to speak, or in another sense, you could say the Millions More Movement should have become the glue that held everything else together. As the scripture speaks of the dry bones that are in the valley, well, they shake, they waggle and they roll, and they make a lot of noise, but they don't produce anything, not because they're not um, um, united. I wouldn't really say that, because they are united. They're all united in the valley. They're all united in the ditch that they're all in. But they are disconnected from one another. So when one shakes or moves, it doesn't force or encourage the other one to move with it. And that's what we... Preparedness On blogtalkradio.com The keys 107 That's what it's about The keys to unlock Those doors that seem To be keeping us shut out The keys that open up endless Potential for us as a people The keys that allow us To move About the country The earth and the world And utilize all of the things that are here for us because it's here for us, put here by our creator for us to utilize. And remember, if we don't use it, we're definitely going to lose it. So give us a call. Call in and press the number one if you want to speak to us, if you have something to say, if you have a question, if you have a comment, if you have a concern. Because that's what we're here for for the next hour and a half. And remember, when we finish, that the peacekeepers' roll call is right behind us, and they are definitely the solution or a solution to one of the problems that we are dealing with, which is the unity of us as a people. So again, I'm Brother Rudolph. Yeah. I'm Brother Rudolph Muhammad, and this is disaster awareness for community preparedness. Now, last week we were talking about the anatomy of a go bag, and this week we're going to continue. We're going to continue talking about that, and we're going back into our history lesson. Okay, because, again, we want to know all throughout history our people have been moving and shaking and doing things. They've been moving throughout this society on the ground and underground, in front of the scenes and behind the scenes. And as we're moving, going to and from and doing things, there are things that are happening to us. There are things happening around us. And we need to know exactly what is it that um, we need in order to get us to where we need to be. So, now in continuing with that, the anatomy of the GOVAD, this week what we're going to be talking about is yeah, still the... Um, the things that should be in your go-bag and how they should be arranged or how they should be in there. But right now, let's deal with the history side of it, and let's go to another prominent figure in history that we all should be familiar with. I'm quite sure we're not, but again, that's why we're here, to enlighten, to inform, and to educate on that which we are ignorant of. So let us close our mind. before. Well, before we do that, before we do that, no, you know what? Yeah, let's go. Let's take a trip before we do anything else. Let us take a trip and let us go back to yesteryear. Close your eyes.
0: Come on. Close your eyes
2: Yes Where are we now We are going back into Rural America We are going back To the civil rights struggle We're going back To the days of Emmett Till. Back to the days Of mega evers But more so More specifically this week
1: We're going back to
2: the days of James Meredith A lot of you Right now have closed one eye And opened one real wide And you're kind of Scratching your head And you're asking the question Who in the heck is James Meredith I ain't never heard of no James Meredith Well Well that's what the purpose of this show is for to introduce you to members of your family that you may not be introduced to and may not know. But they definitely played a vital part and play a vital part in the history of us as a people. Now, James Meredith was the first. African American if that's what you want to call him Negro if that's what you want to call him Asiatic black man if that's what you want to call him but know that he was the first man of color to enroll at what is now known as I believe the University of Mississippi but we know it better as Ole Miss now, once again, as I told you, all uh, Miss was on the, my horizons when I went to school because they were one of the schools offering me a scholarship there. And while we were there for that weekend, they burned a cross. And I don't know whether it was actually on the confines of the campus or not, but I know it was so doggone close to it that we could see it and feel the heat from it. And so we got the hell up out of it. But James Meredith is who we're talking about this week. Again, the first man of color to be enrolled in that prestigious university. Now, again, your eyes should be closed. And you should be thinking about that time period in history. Imagine what's going on. A Negro is being bust. Shift, or however you want to call it, into this all white institution in Mississippi, of all places. The federal government, all the way up to the White House, had to intervene and had to send over 500 sworn agents of the state into Mississippi to protect this one individual from the machinations of those who were helping on never, ever changing the status quo. So when you hear people say, well, that's the way it is because that's the way it is and that's just the way it's going to be, We know that not to be true because we are positive proof to the fact that the status quo is only the status quo because someone has not challenged it. But when you get the dissatisfaction of people to such a degree that they no longer Fear the consequences Of reprisal Then you will have 100% change Because they will Make the change happen Because they're fed up And they're sick and tired Of being sick and tired It's all about the the And if you want to
0: sing along So now What's that Being said, James Meredith having to travel
2: from his home every day under federal agent protection to a school, go to class, and then go back home every day. What do you think James Meredith would have had to have in his go bag? Remember, what is a go bag? A go bag is a bag that is stocked with the things that you are going to need that's going to give you or make for you a comfortable existence while you are in your sojourn as a refugee trying from where you are to where you need to be
0: or to a place of
2: safety. So
0: having to go to
2: school and the and he had to walk four miles to school up here away. every step of the way he is walking with federal agents on both sides of him to protect his life. he has his hopes in one hand and I remember this is still a colored man at that point and I use that term only descriptively so that People see what we're talking about. I'm trying to paint a picture for us that this is an African-American, a black man, going to an all-white institution. And so he's carrying his books. Maybe he had them in a bag. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he couldn't afford a bag. So he just carried his school books. Well, what was his dressed down like? It's your back in 1966. And meet the great money was everything. Dressed at that point. Looks
0: like the usual
2: two
1: piece, single
0: breasted, all purpose. <laughs> Black suit, white shirt, and a skinny black guy because
2: this is the way our people dressed back then. This is the way we were taught to dress because we wanted to always be prepared for violence.
0: And we were training,
2: our ancestors were training the youth. How they had to dress,
0: how they had to carry themselves, how they had to appear
2: Uh, before the eyes of the world because the image of us was that we were savages, we were buffoons, we were those uh, less than. We know that not to be true, but sometimes perception is reality. And so he will be dressed respectably, carrying his books, going to school. Well, he didn't have business. That's that like we have now, so he couldn't carry a lot of things with him. Maybe he couldn't carry a change of clothing. Maybe he couldn't carry a Hamahatsu Kaira or an all purpose tool. He couldn't carry a tool for his liberation like his sister Harriet Tubman would have carried a few years ago. He couldn't carry that old Handy Fix, Fix, Kaira.
0: Maybe he couldn't even carry a, a pocket bond,
2: a puck, a pocket knife. All he had was his writing instrument, whether it was a pin or a pencil. He may have had a small first aid kit because he sure was
0: going to need some baguette. He was sure going to need some gauze so that he could
2: soak up the blood from that, to it by it by was that was dusted lip or that dusted nose. He would need some tissue like the Cuban, the saliva, out of his eyes and out of his face, from he would be just
0: battling, because those down there were am able and intent on him never crossing that line. So what else
2: would James Meredith need to have had in his existence? you
0: so think about? it. Well, like come up with a few things, then you're going to come
2: in, and let's talk about what you think James Ferrington had in his debate. So this is the Chiefs uh, of 007, Long Talk Radio,
0: which is the back-to-head show for how all you And as
2: you prepare to go to our first commercial break, what I want you to do is I want you to get a pen or something to write with and something to write on so that when we go into our next segment, the information that I'm going to be bringing forth to you, you'll be able to write it down, or at least if you can't write it all down, you can jot down enough of it that you can... Start your research and get the things that you are going to get to acquire, so that you to where it needs to be. Because again, we need you to survive. But in order to survive and then live again after a disaster, the survival part is key, and of course that is predicated on the Creator, and whether He wills you to survive, but it's also predicated on whether you have the will to survive. And having the will to survive means that you're willing to do what's necessary to do to ensure to the best of your ability your own survival. So mitigation becomes a key factor in that. Remember, those who do not, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. So the question again is, what are you doing to ensure your own salvation? What are you doing to ensure that you will not be a victim of your own ignorance, of your own niggardliness, of your own stupidity? And I use the word stupidity because... See, ignorance is the lack of knowledge of a thing. Stupidity is having knowledge of it and ignoring it. So again, as we get ready to go through our first commercial break, gather your pens and pencils, gather your iPods and touchscreens and whatever it is that you use to do your research, and class will be in when we return to... Blogtalkradio.com backslash the Keys107 Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. And I'm your host, Brother Rudolph Mohammed.
1: You're listening Brother. to the Keys on Blog Talk Radio. brought to us by Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites, For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. This portion of The Keys on Blog Talk Radio was brought to you by The Fluffs Present the Alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating, on Amazon.com. This portion of the key was brought to us by moon 107com Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing. And the gift shop, the woman's shop, features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French-cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath, accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia. As well as jewelry and accessories. Born 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget... Bueno 7.com
2: 107, M-A-U-N 107.
1: The Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness With your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad
2: Here we are back with disaster awareness for community preparedness for the next segment, all right, so now we talk- so now you have a working knowledge of who Mr. James Meredith is, but you need to go and research his history, and you will see how um, astute this young man was, how educated this man was. He went on to go, and after graduating from Ole Miss, he went on to go to school up over, I believe it was in Nigeria,
0: and then he
2: came back to the United States and studied political science and got a law degree from, I think, Columbia University.
0: Now, what's very important for you
2: to understand about J- James Meredith was, remember that was right after the time of uh, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson and Brown versus the Board of Ed, Board of Education,
0: so where segregation
2: in the public school system was considered legal and okay. But it was so ironic that the person that took on his case and took him to the Supreme Court was our brother,
0: Marshall.
2: and that is from the early days of the NAACP. Well, let us move on to another historical family
0: another historic Now, the second this next individual or family is
2: one that I'm going to later on so that you know exactly who it is.
0: But just follow
2: us as we're going through, because we're going back on another time trip through one Father named Rufus Oh I know I'm giving some clues away right now And Rufus had a son Named William And William married A woman named Marie That union Brought I believe it was Thirteen children Into the world We are focusing On three members of that family in particular. We're going to focus on the father, William. We're going to focus on one of the sons, Sam. And we're going to focus on the other son, Elijah. And their last name was Paul. William was a Baptist minister and a sharecropper. And his sons, of course, raised In the Baptist church, the southern Baptist church would watch their father preach sermons about a Jesus that would come at a certain time to save the children of Israel from the oppression that they were going through. They would sit on the front bench or the back bench of the church and they would hear the songs of Zion. They would hear the the elders of the church giving testimony about how good God is and what God brought them through as a family. Now, again, you have to imagine the time that they're growing up in. They're growing up in the time where nigger is as common a word to them as Some of the common words you hear now And the Institutions That were around The practices Of those institutions Although Horrendous to us now That was the order of the day If you were dark Or had melanin In your skin then you were treated like a second, third, or fourth class citizen with no rights, regardless of what a piece of paper said. You were to know your place and stay in it at all times. There You were not free to roam or move about the country as we are now. If you want to get up and take a trip now, you just get up, get your money together, and go buy your Amtrak ticket or your Greyhound ticket or fill up your car with gas, get on the highway, and you go. You and your family Oh, it wasn't like that back then Especially if you were a sharecropper On someone else's um, farm No, you wasn't just going to get up and leave Because you represented money to them So you had to, as the song said Steal away Steal away Steal away To Jesus Yes, you had to Sometimes you couldn't even tell your closest family members because you didn't know who you could trust. There were Uncle Toms everywhere at that time, and the Uncle Toms were the worst enemy to those who were on the plantation in a sense because they seemed to be the ones that would tell everything. Plan that was going on for liberation, salvation. enough to go back and get the family, and then they went back and they snuck the family out of Georgia. Now, again, what is their mode of travel like back then? They weren't taking an airplane, and they probably were not on the railroad, so it was either the back seat of the Greyhound bus. Or they were in their own automobile So now What would be in their go bags As they traveled back and forth Well let's talk about What the food would be like And as a young man myself I can remember Years earlier Traveling on the Greyhound With my family Going down to Bishopville South Carolina yeah, I know some of you have never heard of Bishopville. Well, neither had I until I got there.
0: And you see on the
2: sign, you are now entering the town, the county of Lee. Welcome to Bishopville, South Carolina. And on the back of the sign, it said, thank you for coming. The whole town was one block long, and it had the courthouse, the police station or sheriff's station, and the Piggly Wiggly. Everything else was out of the city, the, the, the town limits.
0: Well, when we used to travel like that,
2: Mom used to pack us some food. and That's where the historic food in the shoebox came from. Because as they would fry a the chicken, they would individually wrap the pieces in uh either a piece of brown paper, a napkin, or if you was blessed enough to have it, some aluminum foil. And they would be wrapped individually and they would go into the shoebox. And if they made some macaroni and cheese, they would cut it in squares and wrap it in something and it would go in the shoebox. If they made some peas and rice or or, or 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 beans and rice. It would go in the aluminum foil and it would go in the shoebox. Some peach cobbler maybe if you were lucky enough or some pound cake or some biscuits. But whatever you were carrying as food went inside the shoebox. And that's the history of the shoebox. And us as black as they were travelling, either they had one large shoebox with all the food in there for everybody, or everybody had their own shoebox which they were responsible for. But now they're travelling. What else are they travelling with? Because again, remember, they have to sneak out. They're not um they're not moving about as they wanna move about because they can't make it be known that they're taking the whole family off of the plant- still plantation at that point. So, as they're sneaking out member by member, bit by bit, they're not carrying large bags with them. They are taking only what they can really take. The clothing that they're wearing is all purpose clothing, something to deal with the time and the terrain and the weather in which they're coming from, and they'll worry about that which they're going to when they get there. Everybody has a pair of sturdy footwear, boots or shoes. Everybody has their slacks on, and everybody has a jacket or something to repel the elements of the wind against them as well as a poncho or a raincoat in case it rained. And then, of course, I'm quite sure they had a few books to go with them. They had a Bible. Every family had one. That's how they did their reading and got their reading comprehension by reading the Bible. And other things that they would have would maybe, I don't know whether they had a flashlight or not, I don't know if they had a set of tools or not, but I do know that whatever it was that they were carrying, everybody had to carry their own, and there were no big knapsacks Saxon, and big sacks tonight, roller luggage and things of that nature, because they were constantly on the move, and so they had to learn to do or make do with what they had. They had to be skillful in the art and craft of carpentry and fixing, and learning to maintain things. And they may find things along the way and gather them to themselves because maybe it just needed to be fixed up—a leg here, or the seat maybe needed to be recovered or reupholstered, and that's what they could do. And in the shack that they would get as an apartment that they would all live in, it would be beautified and clean. So it may have been a humble existence, but I can guarantee you it was clean. And Stevie Wonder's song said, living just enough for the city. So the men would go off to the plant. And they would work from early morning until the time the whistle blew, which meant it was time to stop working in the evening. And depending on where they were, either they would catch a ride on the back of a truck,
0: they would catch a, a
2: bus ride, or they would walk.
0: But if they were as they were
2: getting close back to home, the one thing that was common throughout. Was the smell of whole cooked food. Oh, it filled the air. They could smell the buttered biscuits.
0: They could smell <laughs> the could <laughs> <laughs> smell. The beef, the rice,
2: cooking, the chicken, the fish, or whatever the meat was that he had. The smell, it's almost like in the cartoon how it just followed you and tapped you on the shoulder and just beckoned you to come. And you almost floated that way.
0: And Daddy would come in the house, the children would be in order
2: because Daddy is coming home. Daddy would walk through the door The table may have been set But no one was sitting there eating Because daddy wasn't there yet And as they sat down to eat After daddy washed up And got ready to eat Daddy would take his place At the head of the table Because he was the benefactor Of the feast Or whatever was going to be fed And daddy got his props back then Because no one was. one. So we taught how to make a, go, uh, a gas mask and put it in your go bag. Well, this week, what I want to talk about is identification, because a lot of the problems that happened with us after a disaster, it's like Hurricane Katrina. When Katrina came through, and then they had the mass evacuation of the ninth ward. That was a systematic way of removing people from their land, from their homes, from what was theirs. And because you moved out so fast, you moved out with your credentials, now when it came time to come back, you can't prove that you are John Smith and that you live at 333 uh, Allegheny Lane. So now your property is up for grabs. It's gone. You can't prove who you are, so you can't get any kind of benefits or relief or aid, even though you are a human of flesh and blood, and everyone knows you came from there, but since you have no documentation to prove it, you can't get anything. So an essential part of the go bag is documentation. So this week's lesson is going to be on documentation and how to amass your documentation, safeguard, and secure it. Every piece of documentation that you have, it should be in three. There should be one piece in your go bag. There should be one piece in a secure location, whether it's a household safe, or it's a go-bag that's in another location that is away from your location. Maybe you want to send those credentials to uh, a family member that's in another state, and then you have the copy that you keep on you. Now, in this modern age and modern day and time, a good way to do it is make photocopies of all of your documentation scan it and put it into a PDF file and email it to yourself. And that way at any given time you just go to your email if a computer is up and working and you can get open up the PDF file or the zip file and copies of all of your identification and credentials are there. Food for thought. I never thought about it either until Sister Lachelle Muhammad from Boss Number One, Detroit mentioned it to me. Yes, I said Boss number one in Detroit. How significant is Detroit knowing that Master Farad Muhammad ended up in black bottom. Detroit, Michigan, and then the Honorable Elijah Muhammad migrated to Detroit, Michigan. Well, is that merely coincidence that this information comes from Detroit, Michigan? A lot of people say that I'm a master at disasters and disaster preparedness, And while those words are uh, egotistically soothing, they're not 100% correct. I'm not a master of anything. I'm a student of those who went before me. I'm a student of those learned and schooled in response, rescue, and recovery and disaster management or mitigation. And I'm a student of that which I have experienced myself and differentiated between what works and what doesn't work. So, again, where documentation is concerned, your passport, your Social Security card, your state ID, whether it's a driver's license or a non-driver's license, any picture ID that has your date of birth on it, whether it be a job or from the school, whatever you have is documentation. Go to Kinko's or the local copy place or find someone with a good color copy machine and copy that ID front and back. Here's something else to try. Find a commissioner of deeds in your state or a notary Republic And your birth certificate and your other documents, take the original documents with you. And then take the copies of the documents with you. And ask them if they will notarize those copies of your original documents for you. And if they do, in fact, notarize it. That then makes those notarized documents legal documents just like the original, because those individuals, the Commissioner of Deeds, the No Republic, those are individuals sworn by the state as state representatives to authenticate documentation. So there's another arsenal for your war chest. And, yes, it may cost a couple of dollars to get it done, but what's a couple of dollars in hindsight if it will give you peace of mind later? Remember, we can't be penny-wise and dollar-foolish. We have to learn to marry wisdom with wealth. And the wisdom here is you are being given a tool to use for your survival, either you will use it or you won't. Do we have a caller on the line? No, sir. Okay. It's
1: just that time.
2: All right. Okay. Right now we're going to go to our next commercial break. So, again, make sure you have that pen and that piece of paper, and we'll be back momentarily on the Keys 107, Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, and I'm your host, Brother Rudolph Mohammed.
1: Stay with us. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Keys on Blog Talk Radio. Keys 107, and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad In the Nation of Islam The final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks With hard-hitting national and international news And coverage of political issues It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read finalcall.com This portion of the keys was brought to us by Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. What we're going to do right here is go back. Way back. Way back, back in the time brothers and sisters. brothers and sisters, the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan. Student Minister Henry Mohammed and the believers cordially invite you to visit Mohammed's Mosque Number 7C in Brooklyn, located at 202B Pennsylvania Avenue between Pitkin and Glenmore Avenues. Meeting times are Sundays at 11 o'clock. Doors open promptly at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 8 p.m. For more information, dial 718 342 1900. Once again, that's 718-342-1900 or www.MohammedMosk7C.org This portion of The Key was brought to us by Moon107.com Moon, 107. moon, 107. moon, 107. moon 107. 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing. And the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin. Hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107 fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. M A U N 107. M A U N 107. Hey, hey, you! Bring that microphone over here. I want to tell you something. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, uh, my name is Bobby, and I've been living homeless on the streets of New York for years. And the only reason why I'm eating out of dumpsters and I'm living without my family is because I lost my keys. Listen to Keys 107 on Blog Talk Radio. All right, my people. get
0: your gear. We're going to save our-
1: the Keys Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. All right, honey.
2: Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the Keys 107, Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. And I'm your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Call us, 213-943-3618. Call us, press the number one, and come online and get involved in this conversation, this classroom. Uh, If you have a comment, a question, a concern, we want to know about it because, again, our purpose for being here is to educate, to inspire, and to motivate you to do for self and kind. Now, at this point, I need to take a break for a second, and I need to offer the condolences of the family. First, to the York family, my partner in particular, Mr. Gregory S. York, from cfo Security Company. They lost their mother on Christmas Day, and she was just buried on Saturday. And so to that entire family, we want you to know, That you are in our prayers And we're praying That the creator Will bless you One to stick together Two That he will Heal your hearts And three That he will motivate you To take the good works That she instilled in you And never forget them But to build from them So the next generation Always has a foundation. Secondly, we want to send our condolences out to the Green family of Brooklyn, New York. bed do or die, as they say. Miss Jamie W. Green made her transition back to her creator on January 2nd, 2013. Our viewing will be Wednesday, January 9th, from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Lawrence H. Woodard Funeral Home. That's 1 Troy Avenue for all that are familiar with the area. That's Troy between Herkimer and Fulton Street. The home-going services will be Thursday, January 10th at 9 a.m. at the historic Bridge Street AWME Church located 277 Stuyvesant Avenue in the historic borough of Brooklyn. Let's show the Green family that Mother Janie did not waste her time while she was here, that she did make an impact in other people's lives. And let's show the family that we respect, honor, and care for her by showing up and giving our condolences, our prayers, and most of all, just letting them know that they are not alone. I personally can only empathize with one who has lost their mother. I have not joined that fraternity yet. However, if I live long enough it's guaranteed that I, too, must walk that same road that many have walked. And at that time, I will want and need the support of my family to keep my head on straight and keep me focused on the mission. So, Bruce, I got you, brother. I'll be there, and you just call me. If you need anything that I can do For you right now Now Get your You have your pen and paper out Write this down January 19th 2013 From 2pm To 5pm All roads lead To the Mount Pisgah Baptist Church Located I believe that's 213 Tompkins Avenue between Kosciuszko Street and DeKalb Avenue in the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. And there on that day, you will witness an event like no other that you have witnessed yet this year. Because on that day, the peacekeepers... will be highlighting, spotlighting, aiding the Bedford-Stuyvesant Volunteer Ambulance Corps in acquiring the funds needed to do their mission. In other words, people, It's a fundraiser for the Bedford-Stuyvesant Volunteer Ambulance Corps, an organization that has been in the community for 25 years on the corner of Marcus Garvey Boulevard and Green Avenue. You may say that you have never heard of this organization. You may say that you don't live in Bedford-Stuyvesant. You may say that you uh, know nothing about the medical field. You may ask the question, well, what's so important about them? Well, all of those questions and more will be answered on that day, but let me give you this brief snip of history. There has never been a volunteer ambulance corps owned, operated, and controlled by people of color ever in the history of not just Brooklyn, not just New York, But in the United States And in this modern day and time They are still the only Ambulance Corps of people of color And when I say people of color That is not just black people here in New York Their arms and fingers Have reached clear out of the United States all the way over to the country of Haiti, where they have trained Haitian residents to become emergency medical technicians. And on January 14th, itself. Robinson did a reverse mortgage on his home and took that money to finance the revolution of saving lives, saving black lives. What is a life worth to you? What is your life worth? That's a question that you have to think about and you have to answer he's already put his money where his mouth was. He's already walked the walk while he's talking the talk. He has already given so much of himself that he lost both kidneys and was able to get a kidney from someone that he had trained that you can live with one kidney, and that young man was inspired to give his kidney to this man, a perfect match. And while he was in the back of the ambulance being rushed to the hospital, the paramedics that worked on him to save his life were two former students that he had trained. And the doctor that was the physician assistant that met him at the emergency room that refused to give up on working on him was his first EMT that had gone through his first EMT class. And then, like I said, the young man that gave him the kidney, another student that he had trained, a son of his. This man, regardless of what you think, what you feel, what you think you know, is a giant and should be recognized for his contribution right here, right now, while he's still around. So give him his flowers now while he can smell them, instead of waiting for him to close his eyes and then fill in the funeral home with something that will mean him nothing. We have to learn to honor and respect those giants among us, those of our elders who have paid the price for some of us and have paved the way for us, yes, they call him a rebel. Yes, they call him an uncompromising man. Yes, they call him a staunch uh, um, um, whatever they want to call us, some names I can't even call on the radio. He's all of that and then some. But what he is? He is a man that is passionate, unapologetically passionate about saving lives in his community. He is a man who is not willing to take no for an answer when a life is being held in the balance. And he is an example to everybody around that if you want to make a difference, you can't talk about it. You've got to get out there and do it. So on January 19th, all roads lead to the Mount Pisgah Baptist Church, pastored by the infamous, the honorable, the timeless Reverend Dr. Johnny Ray Youngblood, another fiery warrior and revolutionary for his people. You need to be out there on that day. And if you can't be there on that day, then send a representative in the way of a dead president. Let's help to resurrect old George and a- honest Abe and Alexander Hamilton and Andrew Jackson, and let's put them to work for us now. We've given them over 400 years of work. Surely we deserve a little work ourselves now. Let's utilize the principle of cooperative economics amongst us so that we can put our tools and fuse together so that they will benefit us as a whole. If you need to learn the life giving skills of CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation for adults, children or infants, if you need it professionally because you are a healthcare provider, or you're working with children in and in after school, or you're working with developmentally disabled People, or you're working as a security officer and you just need or just want to know this to be able to maybe save someone's life in your family, then contact the Bethelstadtson Volunteer Ambulance Corps at 718 453 4617. That's 718 453 4617. You can reach us by email at B-S-V-A-C at AOL.com. That's B as in boy, S as in Sam, V as in Victor, A as in apple, C as in Charlie at AOL.com. If you have a staff that you want to get trained, churches, you have members of your congregation, members of your fraternal organization, Members in your office, everyone should know CPR and first aid. Why is it that we will spend a hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars for the latest, the latest uh, um, Jordans that come out, or three hundred dollars for a pair of True Religion jeans? What religion is that? How much is that going to save you that you are putting $300 on your backside? It is said that the man that empties his wallet into his head shall never go broke. Well, my question to you is, you say that you love your children? You say that you love your family members, you love your spouse? Then put your money where your mouth is. Sponsor a young person. Sponsor someone to learn CPR and first aid. It's more than just for a job. It's to preserve the institution of life in our community. One of the worst feelings in the world is to sit helplessly by and watch life slip away from someone that you know and you love because you're powerless to do anything because you're ignorant of that fact. Well, you can beat ignorance with education, you can beat ignorance with knowledge. So, you should have that date. January 19th, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Save-A-Life Rescue Squad is available to come to you to teach and train you in CPR, first aid, emergency medical response, disaster preparedness, and to help you organize yourselves wherever you are, in whatever community you're in, in how to respond to, recover from, and rescue those that may need rescuing in your area in the event of a disaster. Save a Life Rescue Squad has no territorial boundaries, and they can go anywhere from New York to New London. They can go from New York to Old York, from New Amsterdam to Amsterdam, from California to Kalamazoo. All you have to do is contact us. And you can contact us at bsvac.org. And when the information comes up on the screen, scroll down until you see Save a Life Rescue, CPR Masters, and click on it. Or simply contact us at 718 453 four six one seven.